Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very happy and wonderful and beautiful good morning to you. In the city of Seattle and its environs, New York, Vinny here with you. It is Drive Time Radio on a Saturday morning just after 8 o'clock. Welcome to our program, a quick-moving, fast-moving, bing-bang-bang program this morning on a Halloween morning. We're uh, strange Halloween. I mean, you talk about spooky Halloweens. This is going to be a spooky Halloween, I think, for uh, many people. It's, you don't know if you're going to be able to trick you. You know, you're not sending your kids out trick-or-treating in a lot of places, right? In many places, if not every place. And um, it's just, you know, not, not a lot of big Halloween parties or anything like that. So we'll try to... We'll try to spook you out for the next uh, hour or so right here on Drive Time Radio. I think we do a good job of that every Saturday morning. I hope you had a good week or as good as possible. We are, um, sorry, a little frog in my throat. I'm trying to get rid of it here real quickly. We are this morning, or we do this morning, have a a great show planned for you. We're going to talk to a guy, a friend of mine, uh, that, Drove a thousand miles to vote. If you want to talk about voting and you want to talk about car guys and how much they love their cars and what they'll do to get in and drive them, uh, Joe Lamaralia is going to join us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Joe uh, is a guy I know, I've known a long time. Used to work for General Motors. And Joe uh, couldn't vote uh, where he lived, so he got in his car and he had to vote where he used to live. Or something like, we'll get the story from him. But anyway, it took him a thousand miles. And he, and he gladly got in his car. If you think you vote, if you're too lazy to walk down the street and put your ballot in the ballot, in the box, think of Joe. We'll talk to him coming up. Uh, another good friend of mine, Joel Feder, is going to join us. Joel from the Motor Authority website and the Car Connection and there is breaking automotive news out of the state of Washington this morning that um, is causing ripples, ruffles, and feathers all over. And I mean all over the automotive world. It has to do with the land speed record that um, well, the Tutara supercar supposedly set earlier well earlier this month and the disputes around that so we'll talk to Joel Feder about that and get the uh, the scoop on what's going on there and uh, some other news I don't know if you've heard it yet this morning but um, one of the great iconic actors of our childhood has uh, passed away in our our not just our childhood but our teens and our our, um, uh, our very existence, the man who taught more kids how to be a gentleman than maybe anybody else of, uh, of my generation, Sean Connery, passed away this morning, or I guess last, yesterday, at uh, 90 years old. And man, uh, when you talk about cars and you talk about movies... You know, there, there's iconic movie cars that come along. Uh, the Mustang from Bullet is one that you can think of right off the top of your head. But right up there with that has to be the Aston Martin DB5 that James Bond 
drove in Goldfinger. I mean, that car, even today, we talked about it on the show, I don't know, Nathan, um, several weeks ago, how you how they were selling models of that car, the Aston Martin DB5, like mini Aston Martin DB5s for um, $65,000 that you could buy for your kid. And I know because my little, uh, my little nephews heard it and they both want one. So my, my brother has to come up with 130K or 140K to buy him two of them because he can't buy just one for them. They're not happy. But, but, uh, Sean Connery, and I know there's been other James Bonds since Sean Connery. A lot of people love Daniel Craig in the role. I do too. But there was something about the way Sean Connery carried himself, the way he spoke, how different it was than anything we were used to. And it also showed us, I mean, yeah, you know, there was, listen, there's no doubt it was a, you know, he was a ladies' man. But in the time, he also was a gentleman. He also had an air of class that middle-class kids from Queens, frankly, didn't see. And knew nothing about, really, except from watching What's My Line and watching James Bond. Everybody in 1964, Halloween 1964, or 65, I forget which one, wanted to be James Bond, wanted to dress up as 007. There were even hit rock and roll songs. Uh, A band called The Detergents did a song called 007, where uh, the guys in the band lament about his girlfriend who only wants to go to the movies to see 007. So not only did, was he iconic, but the car he drove was an iconic car at the time and hooked so many people, not into what American cars were, this was an interesting thing about it, but it was for many kids, many people, uh, a first look at what they were doing in, in other countries with cars. I mean, America built super chrome, you know, supercharged chrome, you know, Cadillacs and Buicks and Lincolns. And here's James Bond, and he comes along in a suave suit, and he's debonair, and he's a gentleman. And he, um, <laughs> and uh, he, he's got the whole, I mean, he's got it down. And then he's got this car that he drive. you know, he's driving along, and, you know, and it's got the, the spinners to come out the, the wheels to cut the other guy's tires flat. And it's got the oil slick in the back. So if they're chasing them, they go off the road. Our job is chasing them, you know, the the um, uh, Goldfinger's henchmen. And um, all of a sudden, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at this car and you're going, that doesn't look like anything I've seen on the streets. And it wasn't, you didn't see a lot of Aston Martin DB5s running around Northern Boulevard in Queens. But there it was. There was that incredible car. And that suave guy, 
you know, opening the door for the ladies and, you know, and, and it, you know, when, when things really got, when it really hit the fan for James Bond, uh, you know, he had the button in the, uh, in the um, shift handle. And, and, you know, they told him, the people at, uh, at the, the laboratory told him, whatever you do, don't hit that button. Because when you hit that red button, the ejector seat goes out of the car. So, Sean Connery, um, dead at 90. Many other movie roles as well. I mean, we, you know, but this isn't a movie show. This is a car show. We're concerning ourselves much more with the car show. And I think for many people also, although I grew up in the automotive business, so I knew this, <laughs> it was their first look at a car crusher. Remember the scene where they take the Lincoln Continental and they, I forget who they killed. They killed somebody and they crushed the car up and they put it through the car crusher. And the Lincoln Continental comes, and our job was driving, comes out as like a little brick. Well, that was the first time that a lot of people ever saw that. Wow, you could crush a car into a brick. Now, I happen to have seen that before because my dad took me to junkyards when I was a young kid. And I got to see that. But uh, really uh, interesting, great stuff from uh, from James Bond. Uh, a, a life well lived uh, for Sean Connery. Uh, still stayed relevant um, uh, to this day. In that, um, and I know I saw a picture of him not too long ago, and he didn't look good. And I think you knew that that the end was probably near for him. He looked frail. He didn't, and I don't think he really wanted even his picture to be seen. And I think he wanted people to remember him as he was back then or as he was even in that great movie with um, one of the best bad movies that I've ever seen in my life. And I can't remember the name, but he's with Wesley Snipes and they're chasing crooks around Los Angeles uh, with uh, um, Japanese criminals, the Japanese, the Yakuza. I can't remember the name of the movie right off the top of my head, but it's been on HBO like 9 million times. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Joe LaMaraglia will join us. His 1,000-mile journey to get to drop his ballot in the box. We'll talk about that next right here on Drive Time Radio. Ever look inside a drop of gasoline? We do at Tidewater again and again, splitting the tiniest of drops even smaller and smaller and smaller. Then we check the balance of molecules to learn all that science can learn. All to make Flying A the most advanced gasoline of today and for tomorrow. From other Tidewater research programs come new ways to bring your car a longer engine life with lubricants designed to protect under all conditions in any climate. That's why Vidal motor oils are so widely used in 82 countries around the world. And Tidewater research also brings you greater safety with the remarkable new Flying A safety ride tire. First with the revolutionary Dynapol tread. New safety ride tires take extreme punishment with an extra margin of safety. Watch. At 50 miles per hour, these Flying A tires on the left stop 39 feet safer than other premium tires. New gasolines developed in Tidewater laboratories 
have to prove themselves under the widest range of driving conditions. They're tested for winter driving high in the mountains, tested for summer heat out on the desert, tested for start and stop driving too, tested and tested to make sure flying A gasoline puts more action in your car wherever you drive. This research is just part of Tidewater's one and a quarter billion dollar investment for your car. And here's where it all pays off for you. In finer products and better service at your Flying A dealer. Drive in at Tidewater's sign of quality, Flying A. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. And back here with you on Drive Time Radio. It's a Saturday morning. New York City hanging out with you as we do every Saturday morning. Nathan is at the controls and uh, making things work perfectly back at the studio. And we get a chance now. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, intrigued me. By the way, if you see a Flying A gas station, uh, go in, tell them Vinny sent you, and they'll give you free gas. That's the uh, that's the deal with the flying A people this morning. If you can find one, they'll um, they'll give you free gas. Um, I, I'm intrigued with what car guys, car people, not just guys, but car people do um, to uh, accomplish something and get in their car and drive. There are you know there are people who use cars for transportation, and there are people who who have love affairs with their cars. Uh, there are people who um, don't care what they look, what the cars look like, and there are people who, anytime there's a little dent on the car, they're out there and shining it up and <laughs> pulling it out and doing, you know, what, making it perfect. Uh, my next guest is a guy uh, that I've known for a while. He's a car guy in the truest sense of the word, uh, of the phrase, I should say, that um, he's worked for General Motors and he is um, a, a longtime um, friend of the show and... and um, his story about voting this week grabbed me. He posted on Facebook about what he did to vote, and I was so impressed that I said, Joe, I want you to come on the show and talk to my listeners about how important it is uh, to vote and, and, and from the angle of a car person. So Joe Lamaraglia is with me. Joe, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. I'm awesome. Thanks to be here. Uh, it's good to have you here. So you... You were voting by absentee ballot. Right, in the in state your, of Georgia. I'm a the, Georgia resident. Right. And they decided somehow, some way, as it seems to happen in Georgia, how the heck does that happen in Georgia? Um, gee. I, yeah. That your ballot wasn't going to get to you, that your vote wasn't going to count, right? Well, yeah. I requested my ballot early September. They, they said they mailed it September 18th. Uh, by the end of the month, it hadn't arrived. And then I called. And they sent it to the wrong state. They sent right street address, right zip code, but it went to Virginia. Never. Uh. Virginia. So then I called and asked for another one. Uh, you know, send me a duplicate. And they said sure. And by Tuesday of this this week, it hadn't arrived. Uh, and I'm sitting in Boston, saying there's no way that if it, even if it arrived that day, I would have had to FedEx it down to a friend to drop it in a ballot box. Right. And I said. I got to do something and you know listen you know me I love to freaking drive I drive all over the place I've driven you know last year I put like over 40,000 miles in an old Volvo wagon just going up and down the east coast doing projects seeing people um 
I haven't been driving that much because of, you know, I'm staying at home. I'm staying in the area. I'm, you know, I'm working from home. I'm trying to do my part to stay, keep people healthy. So I, but when I, when somebody told me I couldn't vote, I just, I lost it. I was like, I'm getting in the car. I, uh, I drove from Boston to Connecticut, stayed at my sister's house. And then the next day I got up and I drove 15 hours to Savannah where my, my house is. And, uh, and, and basically it was like, and got up early the next morning and voted. So it took me like 15 hours and 52 minutes total to get my vote counted. Now, what are you thinking about as you're making this drive? Are you thinking that, it, that, that I mean, what, what's going through your head as you're, as, because I would be seething. I would be like, <laughs> I would be like, well, I'm going to grab somebody when I get there and, and I, somebody's going to pay. Listen, I, I was mad. I was angry. I was upset. Um, but I think there's so many things for us to get angry about that. And my, I'm tr- I try to ch- channel that anger into doing something. That's my one thing. Like I had no power. I have no power in all of this. Like I'm still, I've been at home for months. I've been, you know, wearing a mask when I'm outside, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Um, but when it came to this, this was one fundamental right. And ob- I view as an obligation for me. So look, there was anxiety about it. There was anxiety about getting in the car. There was anxiety about driving from all the way from Boston, all the way down to Savannah, all the places I had to stop or where people were going to be, damn it. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to let anybody stop me from voting. And, you know, I had 15 hours of driving in the car. I listened to a lot of radio, a lot of talk radio. I'm an NPR junkie. Um, and I heard all kinds of stories of people from all over the country. And, you know, you saw the posts on Facebook. A lot of everybody was very supportive. Some people said that I was their hero. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky. I had the means. I had right. the time to get into my 2007 Volvo V70, that, which is, you know, bulletproof and comfortable. And I had the, the ability and the means to, to do it. So I did it. And I got, I pushed past my fear and my anxiety about traveling in this day and age and because it was too important too important for me to get down there but that's the thing joe is that it it, okay i don't want to call you hero because it's you know because heroes are guys that went up in the world trade center heroes are the people that are working in the in the wards and stuff like that right now helping people get better and and those are the heroes but absolutely as an example as some as as a as a poster guy for you got to do what you got to do to vote. Yeah. You got to get out there because the vote is so important to, to not just to me and you, but to all of us. And this isn't about who you vote for. No, this is a... about voting. This is yes. about the, the sacred right that we have that this country is finally waking up from uh, right. and realizing how important it is to go out there and do this. To me, that's what, what touched me about it is if you can make that – 1100 mile trip uh, yep. to, to go down and, and put your ballot in that box. If it's that important to you, then, you know, you who take that, you know, you got your mail-in ballot because you're in Washington state, we're mailing right. uh, and stuck it in your sun visor, you know, up there with your, with all your papers, get the damn uh, ballot out of there, check it off for who you want and take it down and drop it in the box. Amen. It's all, they're 10 blocks away. The boxes, you're, you're no further than a mile from a box if you live anywhere in the Seattle area. And if you're in the whole country, except maybe, 
Houston, where they do what they can to suppress people from voting. Right. You know, uh, but it, the the point is, is that's an, it, it, you're not a hero, but no. you're an example, and we need people. I think in in this in this country who don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And you, well, you drove the drove, drove I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, drove exactly. the drove, babe. <laughs> and I was, like I said, and it was an obligation. And it was uh, because I think it's really important. We can't sit back and com- bitch and complain about the results of the election if you didn't take part in it. And I think that's a lot what happened last time. And, um, you know, vote for whoever you want to vote for, but get in there and vote. And, you know, I have my strong opinions um, about who to, who I voted for. And I, I posted it in my in my post. But yeah, it's like, look, if you can do it. And I also said, it, he's like, look, I'm doing it for those who can't, because there are some people that aren't able to get into a car and drive 1100 miles to vote. Um, and if they didn't get their mail in ballot, you know, I spoke I spoke to a, a producer from Washington Post this morning and she said um, she couldn't get her vote done. And I think it was in Missouri because they messed it up. And she couldn't afford to get on a plane and she was afraid to get on a plane so listen it's important if you have the means if you have the means get out there do do get your ballot in because it's it's just it's part of an obligation as as a citizen of this country it's we the people it's not you know the democratic uh person or the republican you know candidate it's it's we the people that decide who leads this country and without the vote we you, you can't complain now, Joe, uh, Joe Lamaralia is with us, and um, Joe is uh, a friend of mine and someone I've known for a long time, a car guy, and uh, drove 1,100 miles to register his vote from uh, Georgia up to, uh, uh, no, the other way around, from Boston, Boston down to Georgia. Georgia. Um, now, I don't want you to tell me who you voted for, but there was, an, uh, uh, there was a, a beautiful sign, shall we say a divine <laughs> sign, when you, when you rolled across. Now, I'm thinking you were on 95 and you wanted to cross the Delaware Bridge. They did, exactly. And you got it from Jersey into Delaware. Oh, yeah. And, and you stopped to, to maybe uh, go to the bathroom, fill up Get with gas. gas. Yep. And uh, maybe grab something to drink. And you looked up on the front of the, uh, the service area there. And what did it say? said Biden Welcome Center. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. And you know I've been in that place a million times in all the travels and I've never noticed it before. But I looked up and I said, you know, I think this is a sign. This is a sign for me. This is, this is, and normally Vinny, I stop on the Jersey Turnpike to get gas because it's cheaper. And I said, you know, I'm doing my mental calculations as I'm driving. I'm like, you know what? If I go just, you know, what is it, 60 more miles? Then that's, that's 60 more miles I don't have to stop on the, the next end. I'm going to use as much gas as I pos- possibly can. And by the way, I like this. I like that. It's a new new rest stop. It's clean. Um, it's easy to get to. And I pull in, and I, I'm getting out of my car, and I looked up, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I took that photo that you saw, and... You know, it was just like, all right, that kind of gave that gave me the push. I'm on the right path. Sometimes you, you know, you sometimes you're driving down the road and the signs are right there, and you and if you see them, you, you know you're doing the right thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, Joe, listen, I, I'm I'm glad you could spend a couple of minutes with us, man. It's happy um, to do it, dude. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just a, a fantastic inspiration. Are you getting calls from like CNN and everybody now? I'm sure that uh... I've gotten a few inquiries. I <laughs> I got interviewed by the Washington Post this morning, so that was pretty cool. Awesome, man. Well, well, if uh, CNN or CBS News calls me, I'll uh, I'll grab a hold of you, man. 
Fantastic. I'm happy to do it, whatever it takes. Joe, thanks so much, man. I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate you being a guest on the show. It's good to see your face and talk to you in person, man. Good to good see luck. you, too. Be well. Stay healthy. All right, you too. Stay healthy. Vote and wear a mask. Exactly. I feel like we're Take mothers it. here. Vote and yeah, wear right? a mask. <laughs> <laughs> we're two mothers telling exactly. you, vote, wear a mask. Eat well. Eat. Eat. <laughs> Eat. Wear Eat your something. mask. And stay away from people. All right. But exactly. Bring your lunch in. <laughs> All right. John Amaralia joining us here on Drive Time Radio. One man's story about voting. It is really the most important thing uh, in front of us right now. And I urge you again, I'm not on one side or the other on this show. Uh, just get out there and exercise the right. There's also many other races here in Washington State that we need to take care of as well. And, uh, of course, you can... Uh, Listen, it's all over online. You can track your vote online. It's so easy. It's so much fun. And you feel like you did something for your community. All right, we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. we got the cartoon of the week coming up for you. We also have um, some breaking automotive news coming out of Washington State. Joel Fader from the Motor Authority is going to join us to fill us in on that. Uh, a record supposedly broken, now retracted. We'll get the uh, the whole deal, the whole uh, skinny on that when we come back. It is Drive Time Radio. It's Saturday morning. It's New York. Vinny hanging out with you here on 1150 KKNW. Well, 56 is almost gone. Only three more days. We made a lot of friends, sold a lot of Chevrolet. But let's not wait till New Year's Eve at some time past 11. Let's go explore what lies in store for 1957. May 57 bring you all its best along the way. Good health, good friends, good times galore in your new Chevrolet. The big buy in the low price field will win in any test. All point by point comparisons show Chevy leads the rest. Enjoy the special air of springtime, clean and new. Enjoy it every bit as much inside your Chevy, too. The outside air can breeze right through this brand new intake vent, improving air supply as much as 22%. May friends add to your happiness, and may days be filled with fun. And may you often have a chance to choose your favorite one. In Chevrolet, you have a choice no other car can touch. Five engines, five transmissions. Only Chevy has so much. And may you reap the harvest of the highways across the land. And when again the end of one more year is close at hand, and you count all the good things that you've gained along the way, perhaps the best of all the rest will be your Chevrolet. And although our show is far from being over, on behalf of your authorized Chevrolet dealer, let me wish you a very happy New Year. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, we're back with you on Drive Time Radio. A very busy Saturday morning 
here. We'll have the cartoon coming up for you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but first, we have some breaking automotive news out of the state of Washington, really. Um, if you are familiar with the company SSC North America out in Richland, uh, you may be familiar with their, the vehicle that they're building, the Tuatara. Supposedly, uh, a 316-mile-per-hour, 1,750-horsepower performance vehicle that has been embroiled in controversy over the past week, uh, a little more than a week, really, about a world land speed record that uh, they supposedly set. Joel Fader is from the uh, Motor Authority and the Car Connection. Uh, great uh, websites if you would like to um, know more about cars, reviews, everything. He broke this story uh, late last night, and I wanted to have him on to talk about it. Joel, good morning. How are you? Good morning, my friend. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while. How you feeling, man? I'm getting around. I, as you know, I had knee surgery about uh, seven weeks ago, and just this week I was cleared to drive, so I am. I feel like I'm about to get my life back. Oh, the worst thing in the world for a car guy is when you can't uh, drive, man. Ugh. It's been brutal. Other people driving you around just doesn't cut it for you, does it? It's not the same. Look, my wife's a, a great driver, uh, but it's just it's, it's not the same. It's, it, it's fascinating to see the independence having the ability to drive truly gives you. Yeah, it, it really it really does. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that for hours. And someday we'll have you back on, and we'll, we'll talk about stuff like that. Would love to. Uh, Tuatara is a car. Is a car. I don't think a lot of people in Washington State know about, but the car is being uh, constructed, built out in Richland, out in the Tri Cities. And um, give us the, give us the story about what happened um, a couple of weeks ago. I guess they went out to Bonneville to try to set a, a land speed record with this car. So, so, uh, so for people that don't know, uh, it, it, the, the um, like you said, SSC is, is a Washington-based automaker, right? And they made uh, they made supercar hypercars long time ago, and they set a production speed record for uh, on land a long time ago, uh, and then Konosek broke that um, years ago at 277 some miles an hour, and since then there's been a race: Bugatti, Hennessy. SSC, Konosek, everyone's jonesing to break to 300 mile an hour mark. And some of them are jonesing to get to the 312 mile an hour mark. And the reason for that is that's uh, about 500 kilometers an hour. And on October 10th, uh, Jared Shelby, who's the CEO of SSC, and his team uh, went to State Route 160, which is uh, in, and it's a seven mile stretch of highway between uh, Pahrump, uh, Nevada, and Las Vegas. And this is the same stretch of highway that Konoseg set a land speed record with the JRS years ago at 277 miles an hour. And October 10th, they ran this car, and they did a two-way average, because that's what you got to do here. you got to go both ways in an hour. There's a, there's a bunch of rules. Um, but they ran a two-way average of 316.11 miles an hour. That's very specific. Uh, and that was with two runs, one doing a 301.07-mile-an-hour run and one doing 331.15. Now, it's worth noting they actually did three runs. The first run they did 287 miles an hour, um, but they did two more runs, and they took the two fastest ones and averaged it. And that's often overlooked. But they did three runs that day. Uh, Oliver Webb was uh, the driver for that those runs. He had a wife who's seven months pregnant. He just had done 24-hour Le Mans two weeks before that. Uh, the, guy, the guy knows how to drive. He drives Konosegs. He, he knows how to drive. He's a hired gun. He doesn't work for SSC. 
He's just a driver that got hired to be in the seat. Um, they kept it under wraps for about a week. Uh, we, we received the news uh, a couple days before it was uh, live under embargo. And uh, I, I interviewed Jared Shelby uh, on the phone. And we had a lengthy discussion about the run, everything that led up to the run. Super nice guy. Like, kind of like, just like uh, John Hennessy, and I don't know if you know him. The guy just yeah, wants yeah. to build a fast car. The guy yeah. just wants to build a fast car. Um, they want to be the best at what they do, like like Carol Shelby. They just want to be the best. Exactly. Yeah, just want to be the best at what you're doing. Right. And um, so they've been working on this thing for about 10 years. And the car they ran was the first production car. Dr. Larry Kaplan out of Philadelphia owns it. They delivered it a year, just over a year, under a year and a half ago. It was at last year's Pebble Beach. And the original plan, according to Jared Shelby, was they actually wanted to run this last November. And in the summer when they started planning the run, they found out that that that, that stretch of row was being repaved and it wasn't supposed to be done until October. And then it it ran over and didn't get done until December. And then they were planning to do the run in March and then the world shut down. And then they, the world started opening up, and they said they can do it in July, in, August, in June, and it's hot. And Jared's like, no, this isn't going to work. And so they ran it on October 10th. And they released – and what happened was uh, about, about two weeks ago now, uh, it all came out, right? Uh, it was released and announced on the 19th, a week, uh, just over a week after the run. And what happened was uh, when it was announced, Top Gear ran a video. They had a third-party uh, production uh, uh, YouTube thing called Driven that right. documented this whole thing, right? And Top Gear was given a video that was in-car footage of the car being run. And it was released. And it was a little weird. Like, the, the angles of the camera and everything were a little weird, but whatever. Um, the internet instantly took that video and tried to stitch it next to the Konosek video from a couple years ago and tried to m- match um, uh, mile markers, cacti, uh, lane lane uh, openings, cross streets, and they're trying to dissect this video to see how this car did this. I mean, it was a, it's a big gap, right? 277 to 316 is a massive amount of extra speed at that speed. Um, and, and the world tried to guess the gearing on this car, and they said, well, with the gearing, we think it has, because it has a, C, a, a SEMA transmission from Italy, and they were trying to guess the transmission and the uh, gear, gear ratios, the final drive ratio, and the world was like, Based on their calculations, the Internet decided that this was not physically possible. As a journalist, the video is in proof. Data is proof. Taking a video that's posted to YouTube does not – that's not – you can't compare two videos on YouTube and say this is definitively did or didn't happen. And you can't guess final drive ratios in my book because as a journalist, facts are facts, right? Right. Um, but I still did start having my own questions because what happened was SSC released a copy of that video on Friday. And the video they posted was not the same. It was supposed to be the same, but it, was, it wasn't the same video as Top Gear posted. There's a speed differential in the cars. The, the, the SSC video, the car started moving, and it was already going, according to the GPS data, 18 miles an hour. And when the two videos, if you side-by-side them, when the car passed the final safety vehicle, which was a fire truck at the pit, there was about a 12 to 14-mile-an-hour differential in speed, according to GPS data. And then, and then the speedometers showed 200 and some miles an hour when the GPS said it was going 312. There was a bunch of stuff that all of a sudden just really doesn't add up. And I started asking questions. And then Duotron, an Austrian uh, manufacturer of speed equipment, GPS tracking, measurement equipment, et cetera, uh, is, the, is the company that supplied them. They loaned them 
a unit to do the GPS tracking, the satellites. And I talked to Duotron. Uh, I talked to their, their West Coast regional person. And I found out the Duotron system that was in the car, I found out it was loaned to SSC. It was not bought. These are like twenty-five dollars to $30,000 systems, by the way. And they're right. not well known. Most people in the U.S. that are speed guys, they know VBOX. They know RaceLogic. These are systems you and I know. Uh, Duotron is something I'd never really heard of. Duotron is an Austrian company. In the U.S., they're not really an automotive-based company. Their systems are not sealed, which means they have a – and the reason is because they're so powerful. They have a fan on them usually, and the fan blows hot air out of them. And uh, so what I was learning from them – is that a lot of automakers want a sealed system, whether it's dust, whatever, uh, in right, the U.S. Right. Lockheed Martin and the military are their main customers for this stuff in the U.S. So big names that need this stuff to be accurate. And what I learned from them is that this system produces a file, and it's in a DMD file format. The file will not be able to be manipulated, i.e. the data can't be changed on the file. Now, it's like an Excel spreadsheet. You can move the data around, right, to, 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 to see different things, but the data is the data. It's written on the file, and that is what it is. And I asked them, well, how accurate is this? They said, that data is 100% accurate. I guarantee you the speeds that are on that file are accurate. And I said, okay. Does that mean that they automatically went 331 miles an hour and had a two-way average of 316? They said, no. They said, that data is 100% accurate. But if the scaling, and their version of scaling is, is calibration, by the way, if the scaling is incorrect, i.e. the calibration of that equipment is incorrect, then that data will be very accurate and accurately off. Right. And so I said, no, okay. So, so there's, no, there's, back, way to find there's out. no way to back this up. Sure. So, uh, so what, you said that, what was your question? No, I said, so... Is there a second way that they could back this up with somebody? Yeah. I mean, obviously, so you're not using a stopwatch. What, what I learned is that their data is accurate, but it could be accurately off. And so when I found that out, I asked the Duotron, is there a way to know if the data is accurately calibrated? It, was this system accurately calibrated? Because that would instantly prove this data is right or wrong. And they said in that same DMD file, there's, there's code that if, if Duotron or someone with Duotron software, which is free, and knew how to use Duotron software to read this, took a look at the data, they'd instantly know whether it was scaled correctly. I.e., if, I, if, 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 if SSC gave me that data file and I asked Duotron to look at it for me, they'd be able to tell me as an independent verified third party that that was scaled correctly and that data is accurate. So I immediately asked SSC for the DMD file. And I further asked them, had a third party independent person looked at this? They refused to give me the DMD file. They said they were not sharing it. They told me they – they put out a statement last Monday night saying Duotron had confirmed the da- that the speeds were accurate. They said the speeds were accurate. They verified the speeds. They did not say anything about the file. On right. Thursday, the CEO of Duotron posted a statement saying they were not verifying or saying anything. They were verifying that, that equipment when it left their facility was accurate, and they cannot comment as they have not seen the data file. They have not – Duotron was never given the data file. I once again is, asked SSC right to see that data file, and they would not share it. So so what? where do they go from here with this car now? Do they, do they have to go out and do this all over again, or what so, – uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to want to back question. up their statement now. Well, that was, so that was the question, right? Because I kept going back and saying, just show me the file. Give the file to Duotron. You can prove it did this, right? Forget the videos. The data is the data. 
And I wanted to know, if, if you show me the data and the data is accurate, then you're done. Last night, very late last night, well, very late for those of us on the, 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 the non-West Coast, uh, yeah. about, about 9 p.m. Central, so about 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Jared Shelby posted a video to the SEC YouTube page basically owning all of this and saying, look, we're a small company. We don't have a crisis management team. He's kind of implying, like, look, the guy's a big company. Conestag is a big team. Like, we're a small outfit here, right? When we posted everything, we were very excited. It was the greatest day, right? And he just he's owning it like the Internet tore this apart, as it should. The Internet should be critical of this. We're making a big claim. We don't have a big crisis management team. We can't simply just put out a statement and go on the defensive. We ask to see all the footage, and we start seeing what you're seeing. We start seeing inconsistencies. And he basically said, look, no matter what I do with the data, no matter what I do here, this is always going to have a stain on it. This is always going to be questioned. we got to run it again, and we're going to run it again. So they have committed that they are going to run this again, and they are going to have multiple data companies, whether it's RaceLogic, VBox, who knows, systems in their cars, which is smart. Hennessy had four V-boxes in their car when they ran theirs. They're going to have multiple systems in their car tracking the car. They will have people from those, those, those tracking companies on site, which they probably should have, but COVID prevented it, right. and overwatching it. And he invited some, uh, some influential YouTubers who tore this apart who were very smart guys, frankly. They were, they were tearing this apart as well. Um, not necessarily journalists, but guys that were doing some very analytical, smart stuff and tearing this apart to, to, to try and get to the bottom of it as well. Uh, he invited them to be there to watch this to try and also be critical of it. And I reached out to Jared last night and to, for, for, for questions, and I was told they're not submitting the current record to Guinness because no matter what happens, whether the data file is accurate or not, they think that the broil of controversy is just tainted. The whole thing is just they don't even they don't think Guinness wants to even touch this right now. Yeah, and I would agree. It's TBD when they're going to run it because they probably now have to like set all this up, right? Uh, and he doesn't know who will drive the car. My, I, I would speculate it would not be Oliver Webb again. The guy's about to be a father. He probably has no interest in going 300 some miles an hour again if he went that fast. Um, and, uh, but, but, I mean, yeah, so, he, so the current record, it kind of feels like they're throwing the current one away. Like they're, they're going to move forward with it at this point, and they're just like, look, we messed up. We're going to redo it. We're going to prove we can do this. Um, and they're going to make sure they have the stuff to back it up this time. Right. And if the car truly does 321 miles an hour and averages at 316, uh, it'll do it again, right? I mean, yes and no. First off, all they got to do is do a two-way average of over 277, and they beat the Koenigsegg. They, they sure. just need to beat 277. Bugatti did 304, but it wasn't a two-way average, so theirs doesn't count for a speed record. They're just the first to break 300. But theirs is not a speed record. They didn't do two-way average. Uh, to do the two-way average, they need to be 277 to beat the record. Yes, theoretically, they should be able to do 316 two-average way average again and be able to do 331. According to their specs on the car, they should be able to. But here's the thing, and you know this. As a car guy, though, may not, but, but all your listeners may not. There are so many variables in this. Wind speed, weather, conditions, luck, um, temperature. There are so many variables in this. That, that will dramatically affect it. Um, I mean, the crosswind from the first run almost blew the car off the road at 300 miles an hour. Oliver Webb touched the uh, gravel. He saved the car. Wow. So 
Uh, I mean, 300 miles an hour is moving. I don't know how fast you've been. I've been about 165. It's moving. I can't imagine yeah. doing double that. Yeah, it's it's it, you're you're waiting to take off when you get up that. You know, I've been about the same. I'm, I'm fact, we probably did it with uh with the same driver, and uh, <laughs> and you you feel like the thing's going to take off at any moment. It it, it, it you're moving at that speed. Uh, much above 140, 150, and and things happen real fast. And so talking about double those speeds. Uh, but but like you said, theoretically, yes, it should be able to do this again, and possibly. Maybe he'll get lucky, and they'll be doing faster than 331 because the car was still pulling, supposedly, at 331. Uh, Oliver said it wasn't the car. It was him that day with the wind sp- winds. So if it's yeah. less windy and it's a different driver, it's possible the car goes faster. It's possible. I think it's possible here. I think it's a fascinating story, man. I mean, it's just something. It's a, that, it, you it, know what? I think, it's, I think, look, it's a small company, right, that, that has limited resources. They've done something incredible. As a car guy, and you're a car guy too, the whole thing is just cool. Like, take the journalist side out of me. Right. Man walked on the moon. That was a scientific achievement. That's cool. Bugatti at 304 miles an hour. That's a scientific achievement of engineering. That's cool. These guys, they might have gone 331 miles an hour. It's possible. That's cool. Um, this is just cool. And no matter what, how, no matter how fast they went, they went freaking fast. Like, right. They, no they, they know they went fast. They, went they fast. know how fast they went. I mean, whether it's in the Guinness World Book book of world records and well they might not well well they they oh hang on they do know how fast they went if they've looked at that dmd file and they figured out that they had a scaling issue they do know how fast they actually went whether it's 331 or not they know how fast they went and right. it seems to me that they i i've asked them multiple times they're gonna share that dmd file if anyone's seen it if there's a discrepancy in it and i've not gotten any answers yet on that question um it seems to me that there might be an issue with that file or the calibration um it does not seem like that will be shared but the car went fast. The car yeah. is clearly capable of going fast. It's got a lot of power, and it doesn't weigh a lot. My, my question would be, uh, and Joel Feder is with us from the Motor Authority and uh, the Car Connection, um, where does Dr. Larry drive this car in Philadelphia at 316 miles an hour? Probably, probably doesn't do that on on 95. He does not. Um, you know, I, I actually uh, was trying to speak with him, but he's a very, I mean, look, the guy, the guy is, is very philanthropic. He, he runs a charity. He's a doctor or was a doctor. Uh, he's a doctor. You're always a doctor. Uh, and he's a very busy schedule. But, but, but from what I've heard about this gentleman, um, he's very philanthropic. He runs a charity. And he's got quite a car, supercar collection. He drives them. I think I, heard he, I think I heard he's got a Lamborghini. It might be a Gallardo with over 10,000 miles on it. So, like, the guy drives his cars. He drives him, yeah. He doesn't sit in the garage. Correct. He drives his cars. Uh, I, I do believe, I think I saw an interview of, of him where he said that, you know, I obviously haven't gone that fast. I look forward to taking this car pretty fast. Obviously, that would be on a closed course or some sort of setup. Um, but, I mean, I, I respect someone like Dr. Larry Kaplan who would buy a car like this and has every intention of driving it. Yeah. Yeah, does it buy from museum piece or to show off to his friends? It's cool. Uh, Cars are meant to be yeah. driven at some level, right? I hope he takes it to the drive-in movie some night. To be honest with you, imagine do you get the first row with this thing if you uh, if it sets a land speed record. That I mean, <laughs> I, drive-in movies are kind of a hot commodity these days, aren't they? In this era, yeah, yeah they're back. Well, this this is listen, uh, Joe. I appreciate you jumping on and filling us in because this is a fascinating story. Uh, as I said, it's got the car world. I mean, everybody in the car world is talking about it right now. And your news last night, I think, is uh, lighting up the Internet uh, right now, too. Now, if people want to see other stuff that you're writing, where do they go? 
Uh, I mean, like like you said, just go to MotorAuthority.com, and I'm there, man. It's it, this is our this is a story that uh, going to top our daily newsletter that 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 goes out here in a few minutes, actually. And uh, I've been covering the story now. I mean, I spent most of my week investigating this, and there was a few stories that came out, and we'll we'll continue to cover the developments as they happen. Awesome. Well, we will now. When uh, one more question before we let you go, because we're up against the clock. When. Um, when will, uh, no date yet, but when do you think they'll try this again? I mean, look, it takes planning. You've got to shut down a highway that requires the Nevada Department of Transportation. They got to secure a driver. They got to secure, they use a, they use a jet to, to be able to, uh, to video this thing. And they're going to want to make sure they get video for every, every way. They're going to have to do logistics and getting all the different, GPS companies. This is going to, and COVID puts a wrench in all that, and the country's yeah. getting worse with COVID right now. And travel and lockdowns could happen. So, I, I, I honestly don't know how quickly you can pull something like this together. Um, at the same time, you know, luckily for them, we're not headed into summer. They're not going to have heat issues. Put it that way. So, better time of year than it could be for this to happen. Um, but I mean, I can't imagine this happening in a week. Put it that way. This takes this yeah. takes logistics. Well, Joel, listen, thanks so much. It's good to hear your voice uh, again, man. I, I know we uh, we go back and forth on uh, Facebook and uh, social media all the time, but it's good to actually hear you talking, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's really good to be heard. No problem, man. Talk to you soon. Stay well, my friend. That's thanks, Joel Fenner from the – all right, you too. Take care. Stay safe. Joel Fenner from the Motor Authority, if you want to uh, – a great – um way, and I use it a lot as a source for information. They're on top of so much stuff in the automotive world from electric cars to to Atara cars that go 316 miles an hour, supposedly. Lots of uh, good stuff. Uh, from the Motor Authority, just go on the line on the uh, internet at the www.motorauthority.com. You'll find all their stuff there. Alright, as we come up to the top of the hour, we're uh, we're scrambling here a little bit. Nathan, I think it's time for you to ask me what I'm driving this week. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan. Oh, Nathan. Nathan, 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 Nathan. What am I driving this week? Um, What's the coolest car you know, Nathan? Uh, Probably gonna say the Jaguar F-Type R that I've driven, at least. Well, no, let's just say... There's one car you could pick out, to one, and I'll, I'll narrow it down for you. One American car, one car that says America, that says we can do it, that says this is a, this is, this is, uh, this is a great country that we live in, and no matter what's going on all over the world, all over the country, you can still get in this car and forget your troubles, come on, get happy. What would that car be? Well, I'm torn between the Ford Mustang and the Chevrolet Camaro, but I think I'm leaning towards the, not the Camaro, the Corvette. Bingo. You, sir, get a cigar. You get get some free flying A gasoline. I am driving the 2021 Corvette Stingray, my friend. Uh, And it is, um, it is, it's just, it's it's not just a car, man. It's a mindset. It's an experience. I pulled into, uh, it's, it's bright red. You can't miss it. It's a little red Corvette. It is mid-engined. It is so chiseled, so sharp, so beautiful. And I'm driving this thing last night, and I pull up to uh, Dick's Hamburgers up here on, uh, on Aurora. And I pull in, and you thought, and, and I'm thinking it's like I'm a movie star. 
I'm saying, oh, man, everybody's listening to the drive time show. You know, everybody's walking over. All the car people are in, are, are in there. You know, it's about 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. And uh, all the car people are in there. And everybody's hanging out and having a good time. And all of a sudden, you could see, like, the heads are turning. And everybody's looking. And as I open the door, people start, start to come over. And people, can I take a picture of it? Can I, I mean, and not just the dicks. Where there's a lot of people that love cars that hang out on a Friday night. But, you know, I pulled up at my house, and my neighbor came out of his house, and he came across, and he looked at it, and, and you could just see the, um, you know, the twinkle in people's eyes when they look at this car. Um, you, you know, just from the psychological perspective, never mind uh, the driving perspective, because we'll get to that in the review, but the psychological perspective of a Corvette is unlike any car I've ever driven. People come up to it, they look at it, they want to touch it, they want to sit in it, they want to be in it, um, and, uh, you know, and, and it's and it's always made, you know, because it seems almost like it's an unattainable goal, but yet this car is like 70,000 bucks. I mean, you could pay less for this car than you would for a Silverado, fully decked out Silverado pickup truck. Probably doesn't haul as much gas, uh, as much um, um, fertilizer in the back. But you certainly could. And uh, it's, um, I'm going to take it on a bit of a trip. Uh, Yes, for those of you who know me and are asking, I fit in it just fine. I'm going to take it on a bit of a trip and uh, let it stretch out a little bit. It is, uh, it's just a phenomenal piece of engineering. From the mid-engine mounting of, of, of the motor to the, uh, the way it steers, the way it drives, uh, the improvements in, a, in, in balance of the car, the way the car feels when you go around a curve because of the mid-engine, the center of, of gravity in the car is so changed. Uh, there's nothing like going around a curve in this car. There's nothing like taking a curve in it. It really um, just, you, you got to drive it to believe it. But I'm going to do my best to, to uh, give you a report on how good it is. It certainly is a spectacular car. And as a Corvette guy, a longtime Corvette guy, and a guy who's owned five Corvettes in his life, I can tell you, that um, the stigma that I've always had about new Corvettes and, well, you know, they just show off cars and yada, yada, and they are to an extent, but there's a reason. It's part of the American dream. It's part of what makes this country great, that we can build a car like this, that a, a domestic automaker can turn out a car like this, and you're going to see different versions of this car coming out This talk about a hybrid in the pipeline. There's talk about electrics in the pipeline. Uh, there's there's talk about uh, all different kinds of Corvettes in the pipeline. And uh, the fact that we can do this is amazing. So that'll do it for us this week. We'll have more for you next week. It's our one-year anniversary show. Thank you to Nathan, to our guests. Get out there and vote. We'll talk to you next week. We're here on Drive Time Radio.